0: following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, if you will, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 1, and beginning actually in verse 10, 1 Peter 1 and verse 10 as we're continuing our study in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven above, from heaven, which things uh, <clears throat> the angels desire to look into. From this passage of Scripture, I'm going to begin to talk about a greater consideration of salvation, a greater consideration of salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the word of God. Father, for the truth of it. Father, thank you for the Spirit of God that gives us an understanding of the truth. And Lord, we ask that tonight you'd open our understanding. Lord, help me to uh, be clear in the presentation of thy word tonight. And I pray, Father, for those who are here, that you give us a spirit of hearing and understanding. And Lord, help us to appreciate our salvation in a greater way as we consider it more closely. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, here, as Peter has finished in verses... uh, Uh, Six through nine of talking about, if you will, the he giving his exhortation concerning the trials of their faith, these Christians and what have you. Uh, He then moves on to a greater consideration of that blessed salvation in these verses from verses ten through twelve. And there are three things I want to talk about. One we'll deal with tonight that has three parts as well. But the first thing we want to talk about in relationship to a greater consideration of salvation is the prophet's example to us in the study of salvation now as you read verse 10 the bible says of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you this is a salvation that they knew about a salvation that they had had embraced themselves uh, uh, but they were searching uh, to have a greater understanding of it and be used of God to communicate it to us in the Scripture. We want to talk, though, as we talk about the example to us in the study of salvation, first of all, the intensity of uh, their study, the intensity of their study. You find in verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Now, this phrase, inquired and searched diligently, in the classical writers of the day, uh, spoke of and was used in reference to uh, uh, hounds or hound dogs, as some Southerners might understand this. Hound dogs that were after the game. You know, they used to take hound dogs, and probably some still do today, and let them loose, and they would follow the dogs, run after the dogs as they as the dogs would go out searching for prey and what have you. The hunter would follow hard on their heels, but the dogs themselves were making the the diligent search. They were sniffing around, going after the game, trying to find it. Uh, for the sake of uh, their masters. And it's also used in reference, if you will, to those who are going out and have the gold fever, if you will. And they go out and they, you know, when someone had the gold fever, I mean, years ago they had uh, the gold rush in California and Alaska. And you know, whenever gold was found... There was a rush on to be the first to get there, to stake a claim, to begin to dig and search diligently for gold, to get in there and get as much as you could possibly get. And people would spend their time and great time and effort getting in, starting to dig and, and uh, dig out the gold. And you know what, they would take uh, each, each uh, stone that they found and they dug out, they'd search it and look for any, any traces of gold there. Because they were anxious, they had a fever to know uh, and to find uh, that gold. You know, recently we had in the last few years, we had uh, um, <clears throat> we had a boom, an oil boom that went on, and I likened that unto the the gold fever. I will tell you what, when we had, when the boom was on, people f- just came into this place, and they were they were pumping, they were drilling, and what have you. And people were just all over this place. We swelled in greater numbers. People were everywhere. And you know what, unfortunately, there were those that I felt like had the gold fever. They were people that were trying to make as much money off of other people as fast as they could. I mean, they the property owners raised rents and they did crazy things, even to the point of driving people out of their houses and their, their apartments that they'd lived in for years. I remember reading accounts in small towns People had lived in apartment buildings for just years were suddenly thrust out because they couldn't pay the exorbitant rents. I mean, they'd go from $400 a, a month for a particular apartment up to as, as high as twelve or $1,500. Nothing had changed about the apartment building, but what had changed was the fever to make as much money and get it as fast as they could and no matter what it cost anybody else. You know, in one sense, I was glad to have an influx of people. We had people coming to church, had a chance to preach the gospel to people. But on the other hand, I hated the spirit of the people that were here just trying to make money, make money, 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 money. But there is an intensity that these prophets had in their study of the scriptures, and particularly the study of salvation. They knew salvation, they knew the Savior. And yet they were still in, in, in a, a diligent search concerning this matter, if you will, in Proverbs chapter two and verse one. Proverbs chapter two and verse one. <clears throat> now you know, <clears throat> I, uh, I again I didn't care much for the oil boom. It was like the gold rush and people. You know it's amazing how cruel. And heartless people can be when it comes to searching for treasures. And yet, the Lord would have us to have that kind of intensity, not a cruel intensity or a hard-heartedness, but rather a diligent desire to seek uh, for wisdom, the wisdom of God and in salvation. In Proverbs 2 and w- verse 1, uh, here, Pro- here, here Solomon, of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou... W- Thou incline thine heart unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find uh, the knowledge of God. Here uh, Solomon is encouraging and, and exhorting his son to seek after wisdom, particularly the wisdom of God as one who... Uh, was looking for a special and important treasure, if you will. Daniel chapter nine, <clears throat> Daniel chapter nine. And the Scripture bears out that the prophets sought uh, to know and understand salvation clearly and and uh, more of it. You know, folks. You know, <clears throat> I remember after the day I got saved, I only knew some basic things. I knew that Christ died; He loved me and died for my sin so that I might be saved, and I, I repented from my sin and trusted Christ. But that's only the beginning of the knowledge of salvation that we have when we first get saved. It doesn't take a lot of knowledge sometimes to be saved. But you know what? The, the longer I'm saved, the more I learn about salvation, the more I, I think that we have so great salvation. Amen? Great because it is like nothing else... Like no other religion, you know, there's so many religions that try to offer people a religion and, and religious practices, but they don't offer them salvation, and, and, and a lot of people don't really comprehend uh, the greatness of the salvation that God has in His Word. But you know what, when you're saved by the grace of God, and we get in and begin to study uh, the Scripture and look at what we have, folks, that's something else. Our salvation is great, it's like no other, Amen. It's not of human origin. In Daniel 9 and verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, <clears throat> of the seed of the Medes, of which was made king, uh, over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years where, uh, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish... Uh, Seventy years in the in the desolation of Jerusalem, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You know, here Daniel was making a diligent search, and he himself was a prophet. God used him to prophesy and to uh, to uh, um, if you will uh, record things that we needed to know. But Daniel wanted to understand some things, and uh, he began to make a diligent search of the prophet, like uh, the the prophets written, uh, the book of the prophets written by Jeremiah and other prophets. You know, folks, God has given us a collection of books that makes one book, 66 books that speak and tell us of the great salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's been said that there is a scarlet thread woven from beginning to end. And that scarlet thread speaks of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the salvation by grace through faith that we can have in Him. And folks, what a blessing it is And when we begin to search out more, uh, make a diligent search of that salvation in Matthew 13. Matthew 13. <clears throat> we should value it. We should want it. We should have a desire after it. In Matthew 13, and look at verse 44. Matthew 13 and 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in the field of which Uh, When a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy goeth and selleth all that he hath, and uh, buyeth that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a a merchant uh, seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he hath and bought it. Folks, it's it's someone looking for treasure, someone who values something and seeks to go after it and find out more about it. You know, uh, me and my wife have... uh, I bought my wife a, what do you call it, a metal detector, and she hasn't used it much, not as much as I would like, because you know what? I envision one day that we're going to go out and use that metal detector, and we're going to find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, amen? And we're going to be rich and famous and, and have a huge house and all this wonderful stuff. You say, really, preacher? Not really. <laughs> you think it's going to happen? Not really. But it's amazing, I've had some people come to our house at different times, and they want to go out with a, uh, with a metal detector, and they want to go through our 27 acres, and they want to, you know what they want? They want to find what, what belongs to us. Amen? Find our treasure. Now, so how are you going to find it, preacher, if you don't search for it? We're not. <laughs> We're going to have to search for it. Is it out there? I don't know. But if there's, you know, it's amazing, you read stories about people, that, I remember reading a story about a, a, a couple that went out, and they happened to be on a piece of their property they hadn't been on much, and they saw something sticking out of the ground, and they said, what is this? And they went to begin to earn, unearth it, and dig it out, and they found one, uh, I think it was one can full of, what was it, gold coins or something? And they dug, dug further, and I think it was, by, by the time it was done, it was like 10 cans filled with gold coins. And they didn't know it was there. It was on their own property. And suddenly they were rich. But, you know, they were just out walking along. Now, that doesn't happen very often to us. Amen. And, uh, you know, those who are treasure hunters have to go and diligently search. You know, folks, God has for us the greatest treasure that has ever been the treasure of our salvation. And though we have it, there is so much more about it that we need to know in order to appreciate even more our salvation and the God of our salvation. John 5 and 37. John 5 and 37. <clears throat> John 5 and 37. And the Father, Jesus said, and the Father himself hath sent me and hath uh, borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Now, uh, Jesus is talking to Jews. Jews that should have known that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah already. Jews that should have had some idea of what salvation was because there were Jews that were saved by the grace of God that had taken heed to the scripture, had searched out, been saved by the grace of God and appreciated salvation. And yet these Jews that Jesus dealt with did not appreciate it they did not know the salvation of the lord they didn't see christ for who he was but what does jesus say in verse 39 to them search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they that testify of me and you will not come to me that you might have life he's telling them and particularly among the jews that the ones that he had more most dealings with was the religious leadership among the Jews, people who should have made it their their practice to search the scriptures out because they were supposedly the the spiritual leaders of the Jewish nation, and yet when Jesus came on the scene, they did not see him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They were looking for salvation in all the wrong places. And you know what? Even though they knew something of the Scriptures, they were looking at the Scriptures to support what they wanted to believe rather than looking at the Scriptures to find out what they should believe. Do You know what, folks? We should let the Scripture determine what we believe, not try to make the Scripture uh, uh, support what we already believe. Amen. Sometimes we get into a fix because we have... A philosophy or an idea, and we look to take the scripture and sometimes rest the scripture to fit our own philosophy. And that's not the way to approach the scripture. We ought to approach the scripture and God and say, God, Lord, help me to see and learn from the scripture in a diligent search of the scripture what I need to know. In John 7 and verse 45, John seven and of verse forty five. Then came the officers of the chief priests and Pharisees, and they were supposed to go and take and bring Christ to them, they didn't. Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. You know he was he didn't speak like the religious leadership among the Jews. He was a carpenter, the son of, the car, of a carpenter, and yet he is the son of God, the living word of God. And so when he spoke, he spoke the words of God. And you know what? These people marveled at it. Like, wow, what an amazing thing. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who know not the law are cursed. Now, they're they're mocking and deriding these who are not leaders among the Jews as as those that did not know the Scriptures, did not know what was true and right, and in part because they had not been taught what was true and right by the leadership. If they had a problem, some of the problem had to come from the fact that they had not been taught right. Nicodemus saith unto, unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Now, he was a a part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling class of the Jews, but he was saved by the grace of God, born again by the Spirit of God after having talked to Christ. He had been born again, and he's speaking in defense of Christ. He says in verse 51, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he saith, what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet, and every man went unto his own house. Now, what are they saying to him? They're saying, you know what? Where do you get off talking like that? They said to him, Nicodemus, they said, search and look, you go to the Bible and search it out. And they hadn't done that. They hadn't done it themselves. They didn't really want to do it. They did not want to go to the scripture and find out that maybe they were wrong and that Jesus was the Messiah. But they derided Nicodemus for it and said, "You know what? Go, you know what? Go look at the scripture." And they didn't understand the scripture themselves. They didn't care. In Acts 17 Acts 17 and verse 10 <clears throat> And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. They sent them from Thessalonica because they were already in trouble for preaching there. Uh, Who coming uh, thither went uh, into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And searched the scriptures daily. Whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Now, what a a definite difference between Thessalonica. They were thrust out of there, but when they came to Berea, uh, uh, the, the Bible says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. For what reason? Well, the Bible says it here they received the word with all readiness of mind, they were open to the word of God. And they did something important. They searched the scriptures uh, uh, daily, whether those things were so. You know, it's important. It's one thing if I stand up and make all kinds of statements and all kinds of declarations off the top of my head, what authority is there in those, those kinds of sayings? Zero. Even, now listen, even if I say the right thing, what's important and the thing that bears the greatest authority is the scripture. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. God, everything rises and falls on the scripture. It doesn't rise and fall on my opinion. And it's important that you know what the scripture says. Now, I try to take the time to search the scriptures and lay it out for you. But, you know, folks, it's not just my responsibility. Paul and Silas went into Berea and preached the Word of God, and these people took it personally, began to make a diligent search of the truth of the Scriptures themselves, and therefore many of them believed. It produced a saving faith, and a greater faith in those that were saved. A diligent search, and the intensity of their study was one of diligence, if you will, 2 Timothy Chapter two, 2, Timothy, chapter 2. <clears throat> Here Paul is encouraging, exhorting Timothy. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now Paul was going to go away, and there was not, no longer going to be the apostle Paul to lead in the preaching, to lead in the study and what have you. And Paul was exhorting Timothy as he would take over leadership to be sure that he was a student of the word of God so that he could rightly divide the word of truth and and feed uh, people that needed to hear the gospel first and feed the children of God. But understand this, this is not just for Timothy. It's for every Christian. The primary context is Paul writing to his, uh, his young uh, laborer, co-laborer Timothy as a preacher. But understand you and I as individual Christians should learn to be students of the word of God ourselves. And don't just rely upon the preacher to do all the studying for you. Because what if you find yourself at a time when you don't have a preacher? Who's going to feed you then? amen you know jesus put a a priority in the scriptures when he said in matthew 4 and 4 man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of god god has preserved those words for us as english-speaking people in the king james bible but do we avail ourselves of study earnest searching and intensity a great intensity to search out what we have in jesus christ I think if we do, folks, we'll appreciate even more what we have in our salvation. Not only the, if you will, the intensity of their study, but the subject of their study. If you'll look back with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and verse 10. Again, the Bible says, "...of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Folks, what was the subject of their study? Well, it was not, I'm sure there were a lot of things they studied, but in this instance, he's speaking of the, the fact that the prophets who were already saved were studying the, the doctrine of salvation. And folks, you know, as long as we live, uh, salvation should never get to a place where it's old hat with us. Amen? You know, salvation is the beginning, the foundation for our Christian life. And in order to lay a proper foundation, we have to truly be saved by the grace of God to, to know Christ and genuine salvation. But folks, just knowing it initially in, uh, in salvation and being saved by the grace of God is not enough. We ought to learn more and more about our salvation, how great it really is. Amen. Paul calls it so great salvation. And it is that. How much do we know about it? We talked about it this morning in, in the morning service, about the atonement, about the cleansing, if you will, about remission or forgiveness of sins. All of that has bearing on our salvation and all of it's tied to what Christ did when he went to the cross of Calvary and suffered for us. It's a subject that should never, we should never exhaust, if you will, a subject that we should never lay aside and say, well, I know enough about that. I know enough about that. Look at me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> Let's begin in verse 13. <coughs> the Bible says, But evil men and seducers. Excuse me. "'Shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived.'" Now, Paul, again, is writing to Timothy. But he says, "'Continue thou in the things <coughs> which thou hast learned "'and hast been assured of, "'knowing of whom thou hast learned them, "'and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, "'which are able to make thee wise unto salvation "'through faith which is in Christ Jesus. "'All Scripture is given by inspiration of God "'and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction.'" For instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But he talks about the the fact that he had learned about salvation from the holy scriptures, from his mom and his grandma, and then uh, after him, after he'd been saved, he learned more of it even from uh, the apostle Paul and his teaching, understanding that it was the inspired gospel of Jesus Christ that found in the inspired record of God. In Second Peter chapter one, Second Peter chapter one. <clears throat> and uh, verse 19. These prophets of old understood uh, salvation and yet desired to know more of it, know more about it. In Second uh, uh, Peter 1 and verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn. And the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not an old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit led them to, to prophesy these things. Or the, whole, the same Holy Spirit would uh, let, lead them to continue in their study of this salvation as well. In order to, if you will, at times uh, communicate it in a greater way, Second. Uh, Excuse me. Second Samuel 23, twenty-three, Second Samuel twenty-three, <clears throat> and verse one. Second Samuel twenty-three and verse one. Now these be the last words of David, the David, the son of Jesse. Uh, said the man that was who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Now, folks, these who prophesied by the Spirit of God, these who were prophets, David was a prophet himself and understood the value of the prophecy of Scripture, the value of looking at the Scripture as being inspired of God in study. And it was important because there was a message that was being communicated, and it was the message of salvation that they themselves had received, As Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 15, look with me there, 1 Corinthians 15, it was a message that they themselves had received and yet a message that they did not just lay aside once they'd heard it and received it. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1, Paul is declaring again to the church at Corinth the gospel. Now, he had gone to Corinth preaching the gospel, but he did not lay it aside as if it were something to be set aside now that these folks were saved. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, lest ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. It was a message that he not only uh, was preaching and that needed to be preached, that needed to be understood, that needed to be searched out and studied. But it was also a message that he had received and that he was preaching to others. He says, for I delivered unto you, uh, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And throughout the epistles of Paul, we find the Apostle Paul uh, searching and studying and declaring more fully Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of our salvation. Look with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And throughout these inspired records of God, we find repeatedly, we find repeatedly the message of salvation and the Savior. In Psalm 22, a psalm of David, watch the wording here. David writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so so far from helping me, from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered they trusted in thee and were not confounded but i am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despise the people all they that see me laugh me to scorn they shoot out the lip they shake the head saying he trusted on the lord that he would deliver him let him deliver him seeing he delighteth in him you know folks these are prophetic of the words of jesus christ as he went to the cross and as he hung on the cross of Calvary. They're a part of the salvation, the great salvation we enjoy because, folks, as Christ spoke those words, people that heard those words without doubt probably heard and remembered Psalm 22. You know, Christ did not say those things. Prophetically, David said these things are going to be said. He wasn't speaking of himself. He was prophesying of the Christ to come, and Christ said and did those very things. And I have to imagine that there were some people standing by that heard some of this and had to wonder, wow, where have we heard this before? Where have we heard this before? It's prophetic of the writings and psalms concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And folks, I'm just touching on a couple examples. The Bible's filled with prophecy concerning salvation and the Savior. In Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He's talking, the arm speaks of that which is strong and strength. Uh, And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He's speaking prophetically of Christ. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe with all of my heart. When Christ came to be baptized of John Baptist. And John Baptist looked at him and said. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. There were many Jews there that heard that message. And probably hearkened back to what the scripture said in Isaiah. How God had prophesied through the prophet Isaiah. Of what Christ would do to be our Savior. He would bear our sins in his own body on that tree, the Bible says. He's talking about salvation and the Savior. Zechariah 13 and 7. Zechariah 13 and 7. There's much to be learned about salvation, folks. You know, the longer I live and the more I study the Scripture, the more I I understand salvation. And you know what? Appreciate it. Amen? Amen. Appreciate what we have in Christ and what Christ has done for us. In Zechariah 13 and 7, the Bible says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow. saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd and the sh- sheep shall be scattered. And I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. You know, the Lord himself quoted that passage later on in the New Testament as he was going to go to the cross of Calvary. Why? Because there was an understanding of salvation that needed to be had. Look with me to Luke 24. Luke 24. And look, if you will, to verse 25. Luke 24 and look at verse 25. Now this is after Christ has risen from the dead. He's appeared unto uh, Peter and some of the other apostles as they're walking back. Uh, from the grave and what have you and and then said he unto them O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken you know folks back in Christ's day all they had of scripture was genesis to malachi now the lord was beginning to inspire matthew mark luke john and some of the other apostles but you know what all they had before that was the old testament scripture and it was that that uh, Christ spoke of, <clears throat> oh, sl- uh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded un- unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now you know what, folks? God has given us a book, the same book, only greater, because we have the complete revelation of God Genesis 2 Revelation. And our understanding is, is so much greater simply because we have the completed revelation of God. And we have the ability to search out the Scripture, search these Scriptures, study our salvation, and, and, and learn what we have in that salvation, how great it is. And then, if you will, the last thing we've talked about, if you will, <clears throat> the intensity of their study, the subject of their study, that being salvation, and the spirit of their study. Look with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 again. 1 Peter chapter 1. Searching what, verse 11, or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which, which was in them, did signify. Now, the Spirit, when it says the Spirit of Christ, if you look in the Old Testament, it talks about the Holy Ghost and God the Father and what have you, you know what we find here is the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God. Amen. The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God because Christ is God, the third person of the Trinity. He is as much God as the Holy Spirit and God the Father it was the spirit of christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of christ and the glory uh, that should be uh, followed that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the holy ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desired to look unto folks you know what as they were prophesying of these things, God, the Spirit of God opened their understanding and helped them to realize, you know what, this is not just for them, but for those that follow, even for us. You know, some people say of the Old Testament, well, that's the Old Testament, and you know what, that's the past, we don't need to, to deal with the Old Testament Folks, it's the Old Testament that it gives, you know, the Old Testament is in some ways revealed in the New Testament. You can't have one without the other and have a clear understanding of the truth of salvation, and we need the Spirit of God to help us to understand as we search the Scripture. Amen. You know, it's not about how smart we are. You know, when I study the Bible, I look at commentaries, I look at words and what have you. I have the Webster's Grand Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I don't know Greek, and I never studied Greek, but I don't have to. I have an English Bible. I look up English words in a dictionary that, just, that often uses, most, more often than not, uses Scripture to define words. And I appreciate that. But more than all of the books w- that we use and study, and, and there's nothing wrong with using books to study we need to lean upon the spirit of God to give us a proper understanding in our study. If you will, look at me to John 14, John 14. <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 15. John 14, beginning in verse 15.) <clears throat> The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Now again, here the Lord Jesus Christ was their comfort when he was with them. He is God their comfort. Not only that, but he speaks of the Comforter that would come uh, to take his place. He is Christ, he is the Holy Spirit, he is God the Father, and yet he would one day ascend into heaven after his crucifixion, his death, and resurrection. But he would not leave them alone. He would send to them the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth them not, neither knoweth him, if you will, John 16. John 16 and verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that, I shall, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, folks, he's called the, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of truth. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, not in the the physical organ that pumps blood, but in the heart of who and what you are. Christ dwells in our heart by grace through faith in him. He is that spirit of truth that we receive the moment we are saved. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> and looking at verse 12 the bible said that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in christ and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance and of the redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of his glory now you know what The Bible never teaches us anywhere that in order to receive the Spirit of God that we have to speak in tongues, roll on the floor, spit wooden nickels, whatever. That's ridiculous. You know what, folks? We have to do nothing but trust Christ as our Lord and Savior to receive the Spirit of truth, to receive Christ in our hearts. And, folks, when we do that, He is there with us at all times. And we can grieve Him if we're not careful because He is a person Not a force. He is a person who gives us understanding of the truth. Look at me to Luke 24 again. Luke 24. And look at verse 45. Luke 24 and verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, who is it speaking of? Christ. Who is Christ? He is the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And he said unto them, after as he's opened their understanding, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among, whom all, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, where the already uh, existing Baptist church was empowered by God for, for the work of missions. But folks, the understanding of the truth of the gospel and the truth of God at all in scripture was given by Christ. Christ opened their understanding. The Holy Spirit of God opens our understanding, not of just salvation, but of all spiritual things that we need to know. And not all at once, but sometimes as we need to know. If you will, look with me to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And let's look at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We might know them and understand them. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I'm going to stop there. The greatest way for, un- for us to understand spiritual things, to understand the Scripture, is the Spirit of God and a comparison of Scripture with Scripture. You know, I don't have to interpret the Bible. The Bible says that though no sp- prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. The way to look and approach the Scripture is by comparison. The Bible will explain itself by the Spirit of God. And you know what? We don't have to be rocket scientists to understand the scripture. I am not the brightest bulb in the pack. And God didn't call me because I was smart. God called me because God chose to use me. If I have been used of God and help you or help anyone uh, from God, it's because of the spirit of God that dwells within us that helps us to understand spiritual truth so that we can communicate it to other people. And folks, you know what? That no flesh should glory in his presence. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about how smart we are or what we imagine of ourselves. He said, the natural man, verse 14, receive it not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them because they're spiritually discerned. And I remember what it was like to be lost and pick up the New Testament and try to make heads or tails out of it. How many of you ever tried that before you were saved? I remember getting hold of it as a teenager, uh, the, a New Testament, and trying to read through the Gospels, trying to figure this thing out. Remember the uh, Ethiopian eunuch who's reading Isaiah the prophet? Isaiah 53 in the desert. And and Philip was led of the Spirit of God to join himself to him. And he said to him, the first thing he said is, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? God used Philip to, to guide him through the Scripture. And Philip had the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God had led him to guide him through the Scripture and finally lead him to Christ. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand and communicate the truth of the gospel. <clears throat> Verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ in the person of the Spirit of Christ and the Word of Christ. Amen. Amen. Say, well, what is the mind of God on any given subject? Let's open your Bible. Don't open somebody's commentary about the Bible. First and foremost, open the Word of God. And trust and pray and ask God to help us to know and understand the Scripture. That's where our help is. That's where our understanding is. That's where our knowledge comes from, from God. Who knows better the Word of God than the Spirit of God? Amen? You know, even if you didn't have a church, and the church is important in your life, it's very important for your spiritual growth, but even if you didn't have it, and you were stuck maybe somewhere in a prison and all you had was a Bible, that wouldn't be all you had. You'd have the Spirit of God dwelling within you who could and would and will teach you. Amen? And open your understanding. We are not alone and it's not about how smart we are, it's rather it's how smart God is. Amen. Jesus said, "Without me, ye can do nothing." My preaching or, or whatever we do in the service of God our understanding of the truth comes from God. Amen. And we're talking, if you will, about the salvation, a greater consideration of our salvation, and we've been talking about, if you will, the study the study of our salvation. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.